Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You and I as Christians must learn how to present these two keys. The first one is repent, means change of direction, means to follow Jesus. Jesus was challenged them to really repent. See, lots of times when we hear the word repent, we mean this, boo-boo, I'm sorry, I got caught. It's much more than feeling sorry. should feel sorry because our sin hurts God. But repentance means to change direction. Repent, believe, and follow me. Every time Jesus spoke of repentance, he made sure to tell them what to do next. It's important that when we're sharing the gospel, we follow the same model. Today, we're made aware that so many people don't know what to do after the initial step. People need direction, and they'll look anywhere to get some. So why not you? There are countless religions that'll give them the wrong information for sinful reasons. So we need to proclaim it's not about a church or a feeling. It's about the way, the truth, and the life. And that, my friends, is Jesus. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 35, with his continuing study entitled, Be Wise, Win Souls. Now, this is Christ, four little keys, we'll go through them very quickly this morning, but we need to imitate what we see, Matthew 9, 35. The first one you can write this morning is go, and right behind the word go, just write action. Four little keys, go, action. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Jesus went to where the people were with the good news. Jesus was active in the marketplace. Jesus didn't stay in the synagogue. He went to where the people were in the marketplace. The first key is go. Why did he go there? Because of this. Thomas Aquinas said many, many hundreds of years ago, there is within every soul a thirst for happiness and meaning. You see, every person created was created to know God. And until that knowledge of the true God happens in their heart, they're always in the bottom line searching for something. Because life wasn't designed to bring fulfillment without a personal relationship with Christ. Linda and I were in Singapore, and we sat down with the leadership, and they wanted to take us to this little local market 
uh, to have a kind of a local breakfast. Now we're into that. And, and we were in this food court, and if you've never been to Singapore, you, you can get a meal for three bucks, just a fabulous meal, and there's every kind of food you can imagine. Well, in these food courts, there was these two rows of little shops. They'd be about, uh, about a, a quarter size of this platform, and there'd be probably 25 of those in these two rows. All different kind of food at every single one. Unbelievable. Well, this side was the Malay side. People from Malaysia. They're Muslim. Well, right next door, there's another two rows, same kind of thing, 20, 25 shops, and they were Chinese kind of meals. Every single shop, a different Chinese meal. They're Buddhist. So we were sitting in the Malay side. We had this Malay breakfast, very interesting breakfast. Never tasted anything like it, but it was good. And I said to the leadership, did Jesus die for these Malay people who are working inside this all these food shops here, they're Muslim. Did Jesus die for them? What do you think? Yes. Well, sure. And then I said, well, let's go next door. I said, the Chinese, and, and most of the leadership of that church happens to be Chinese. They have Indian and some others, but the leadership happens to be Chinese. And I said, did God die for them? Well, that was an easier one. Sure, sure, for the Chinese. Even the Buddhists. You say, well, that's a common answer. I mean, that, that's a no-brainer. Why do you even ask that? Because of this. I noticed the last time I was there, and I, and I saw a little bit sense of it, but it had improved significantly, but I still saw a problem. In this little church in Singapore, they have this inward attitude. They're kind of happy with who they are. And they got a nice church, and lots of families, and the kids are taken care of, and it's kind of like, let's just enjoy what God's given us. And I came over there, one of my reasons was to see if I could help change that mentality. Because that is not the mentality of the Bible. See, the church can't be something that's inward. And you might be here this morning and saying the same thing. Well, Pastor Mark, don't tell me this church is going to get bigger. I'm tired enough for the no Too many people. Too many people. Is that the way God looks at us this morning? I mean, in America, we have the same thing, and some of you might have that, ma that same kind of that attitude. Us four and no more. It's fine. I, I want you to see a problem. Now, many people look at the church as an aquarium. We come, and we get fed. I mean, how many have had an aquarium? You know what it's like. How many don't have one now? Yeah, they die. They think, that's a, exactly right, man. I, nobody ever keeps one long. They always go to the junkyard pretty cheap, don't they? I mean... And then you have to go buy them fish again. Man, they're expensive. But you know, you know what you do. Right at the top here, what do you drop in? Yeah, food. And so the fish are always doing this. What? So, you would do fish like this. And that's what a lot of churches are. Feed me. Feed me. Feed me. Feed me. Feed me. Feed me. Give me something. Make sure it's very simple and easy. And I'm going to spend the rest of the week just doing my thing. That's not what God designed. But that's what many of the churches in the United States are, as well in Singapore. And I challenge them. Let me show you another picture. This is from a hatchery. The end result, you know what they do with a hatchery? They take these little fingerlings, and they also feed them. But when they get about this size, they put them in the back of a truck with a tank of water, and they pour them out into the stream so that these fish go out as little fingerlings now, a little bigger, and what do they do out there? 
they reproduce. That's the picture of a vibrant church. So yes, we're here this morning to be fed. That's good. But then we're supposed to be what? Answer me. Growing. And then we're supposed to what? Go to the waterways of the world. With what? The good news. You see, you and I can't... And this is a problem with the church. This is a huge problem with the church. And the first thing I shared with you here, it said this. Go. Jesus didn't sit in an aquarium. He didn't sit in the temple. He went to where the people were. Well, where are the people this morning? They're in the marketplace. They're at your place of work. They're at your neighborhood. They're at your schools. Same for me. So God designed us not to sit around in this little aquarium and look pretty. Drive our cars in. Get fed for an hour and a half. And drive our cars out. And not pay attention to the marketplace where we live. So here I am sitting with these brilliant guys and saying to them, Why are you at church? Is it for your family of a hundred 125, just to kick back and take it easy? Let me ask you this morning, why are we here? Solomon said it like this, He who wins souls is wise. wise." Well, who is that he? That's him. Come on, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Those that don't raise their hands, I'll have up the altar here. I'm waiting. (laughs) I'm waiting. It's us. Now, what is the message that needs to happen there? Well, we see the next key, really. Look what Jesus says. Here's the first thing is go. The second one is word, word, word. What was Jesus doing when he went? He shared the gospel. He, he taught. He preached. He touched people's lives. So the, the next thing that we need to do when we go, we have to be able to know what to share. Well, what do I share with people? Well, here's what was happening. As they were going... Interestingly enough, Jesus said to them, basically, he was teaching in their synagogues. He was preaching the good news of the kingdom. We are here to learn the Bible. We're here to get fed. We're here to learn how to share our faith. You know, most Americans have a Bible, at least one, in their home. But they've never read it. They think it's too difficult, but it's not. What have we learned so far today? Even, even this morning, just stop and think. Well, you've learned this. That God, if we need wisdom, we can ask of God. He'll give us wisdom. James 4. Solomon did. God gave it. We learned this morning another thing. We've been reminded that the most valuable thing in all the world is not your breath, but your soul. You've been reminded of this morning. You've also been reminded, as we've been teaching, that you will die. Didn't want to be reminded, but you were. The other thing we've been reminded this morning is this. We've been reminded that a Christian should be wise enough to try and influence other people. That's our goal. Recently, the USA Presbyterian Church was not wise. Listen what happened. At a normal General Assembly meeting of the USA Presbyterian Church, not all Presbyterians, just the USA, it's kind of a liberal group, they could not decide whether Jesus was the only way to salvation or not. So they had 500 delegates who rejected a proposal that simply said this, Jesus is the only path to salvation. 
They rejected it. This is in our country. Nice name, USA Presbyterian Church. Now, what do those people have to offer someone that has an emptiness in their heart for God? They have nothing to offer them. They might as well offer them Buddha or Muhammad because they couldn't come up with wisdom. Well, that's not what we learn. What we learn here is the Bible, which is God's key. But do you realize how privileged you are this morning? It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the way we operate this fellowship. It's based on the teaching of God's Word. There are so many this morning that will pile in the churches and they'll pile out not learning anything. We're here to learn. Jesus didn't walk in among the crowds and go, Hey, uh, nice day. Ed, how you doing today? What's happening? He taught the Word. That's what we're doing this morning. Now the key is as we teach, you and I have to learn the Word. We have to practice it, put it into practice. What is our message? Keep your finger right there, and and Matthew, turn back to the book of Mark, chapter 1, quickly. What should we be sharing? What kind of things should we be sharing as we are in the marketplace, and if God opens a door, what was the message of Jesus? It's not complicated. It's very simple. And and I'm going to give you a chance to practice this. Mark, chapter 1, verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee and he proclaimed the good news. He proclaimed the good news of God. So what was he proclaiming? What was Jesus saying to these people who were searching for life? Here's what he said, verse 15. Key verse in the whole Bible. It's the gospel. This is what God wants everybody to do. Very simple. Jesus said this. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. There's the gospel in two things. So you and I as Christians must learn how to present these two keys. The first one is repent. Means change of direction. Means to follow Jesus. Jesus was challenging them to really repent. See, lots of times when we hear the word repent, we mean this, boo-boo, I'm sorry, I got caught. It's much more than feeling sorry. Should feel sorry because our sin hurts God. But repentance means to change direction. You see, Jesus was talking to this group of people who were on, there's only one road of life. If you're headed this way after Jesus, it ends in heaven. But if you're headed this way after self, it ends in hell. These people didn't know which way to go. And that's why Jesus would always say after he say this, repent and believe Then he would say this, follow me. Head in the right direction now. See, it's not about a church. It's following a person. In Singapore, it's the same person that we follow here. It's Jesus Christ. Very different there. When I finished walking out of their church building, right next door is a Buddhist temple. You don't see that here. So they're confronted with different things. But when we walk out of here, we just face pagans that don't have a clue about who God is. They're walking the road the wrong way. So repentance means this. If I'm walking this way, true repentance means this. Not going, I'm sorry, and just keep walking. Many people say to me, I have a friend, a husband, a wife, who prayed a prayer of salvation, but nothing changed in their life. They're still walking what way? Same way. Well, did they really get saved? I doubt it. I'd I'd be very leery. 
So that means changing direction. Repent means I'm going to now follow Jesus Christ. Now to do that requires a second key. Look at it. Believe. It's an action word. It's not just a state of mind. It's an action word that produces obedience. It speaks of a relationship of trust independence. This is very different than this mental agreement that Jesus lived and died and rose again. Satan believes that. It doesn't mean I read the Bible. Do you know Satan's read the Bible many times? Is Satan a believer? No. So this belief is not just mental. It's a lifestyle change of following him. And when we come here, we're to learn all of these keys. Now, as you go through the Bible, you see the New Testament. People repented. They believed. They followed Jesus. Over and over and over and over and over. You watch these people over and over again. Repent and follow Jesus. Because they believed that he was the Son of God. It's a, an action word. It's a belief that means obedience. Something took place in your life. So what that means is this. If God opened the door for you with someone at work, who said, why are you going to this church? Why are you happy? You ought to be able to say, because man is empty without a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about this church. It has nothing to do with this church. It has nothing to do with this guy speaking. It's about God. Can you? A few months ago, I was flying on another flight, and I sat next to a gal. And I was by myself on that particular trip. And a young gal who was visiting from Canada, and we began talking. Somehow, and I usually say, God, if you'll open a door... I'll uh, try to share for you. I don't push it because I don't believe in pushing it. God has to open the door. You, you can be very aggressive and push it. You're just hitting a dead wall. And often, yet, let me say this very carefully. If you try to push a door open and turn somebody off, they will be turned off for a lot of people when they're ready to have the door open. So be very careful. Don't go in and say, well, I have the gift of evangelism. I'm just going to open the door. No, you don't have the, you have the gift of human pushiness. <laughs> now, on the other side, when God opens a door like this, you ought to say, I wonder if the door is open. <laughs> no, the door is open. So we began talking. We were talking somehow, got on the subject of end time things. And I said, we're on this plane for another hour and a half. Do you mind if I share with you? And she said, about what? I said, well, what the Bible says about end times. And she said, well, I've, I've been to church all my life, but I really don't know what you're talking about, but I'd be willing to. So I took a napkin out. And I wrote on this in the next 15 minutes or so, end time things, the rapture, the second coming, uh, the Antichrist, I showed her the mark of the beast and so forth on my hand and forehead. And... <laughs> I'm just waiting for you to see if you're alive. No, I just shared these principles. And I said, all of this is going to happen. The world's going to end. And the key is, where are you going to live? And she says, she's about mid-20s. She said, I've been to church my whole life. I never heard any of that. That is not unusual. Could you, if God opened the door this afternoon to your neighbor, and he said, why do you go to church? Could you draw the bridge illustration that we've done many times? If you don't know what that is, just get a tape. Marketplace evangelism. Could you draw that? Could you show how man's in sin and separated from God and there's no way for man to get to God except through Jesus Christ? Could you? He said, well, I couldn't do that. That's for you pastors to do. We are not an aquarium. It is not for the pastor to do. Now you say, well, you do that because you're a pastor. No, I don't do that because I'm a pastor. I do that because the Bible says he who wins souls is wise. See, I did that before I was a pastor. You don't need to know very much. I showed you all you need to know this morning. 
person needs to repent. And repent just seems to mean what? Change of path and belief. It's an action word. It's not complicated. The Bible says we ought to be able to give an answer to everyone that asks for the hope that's within us. That means every single person sitting here that's a Christian this morning should be able to do that simply and honestly. So the second thing is study the Word of God. Back to Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. The third thing that's required, and this is essential, the third word is compassion, feeling or vision, compassion. Verse 936, Jesus said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, the Pharisees had turned inward. The religion of the Jews was the Pharisees. They ignored the hurting, stressed out, troubled, frustrated, clueless people. Jesus was trying to say to his disciples, watch this, listen. Wake up! That's what Jesus was trying to say to his disciples. He was trying to say, do you see the sheep? Do you see the people? They don't know how to live life. They've been following this dead religion. These Jews don't have a clue. Because they'd been removed from God. It was just form and rules. And he says to his disciples, How do you feel about your people? Let me ask you this morning. How do you feel about your neighbors? Your friends? Your classmates? Knowing they have no clue about how to live life. Do you have compassion? Can you have a feeling for them? See, Jesus looked at these people and he went, Man, my heart hurts. They just don't know what to do. You know, sheep, when we get to Psalm 23, whenever that is, we'll learn that sheep are the dumbest animals alive. And the Bible calls us sheep. I'm a sheep too, so don't get excited. Do you know that it's known that a sheep will lead and head right over a cliff, and the other sheep will follow? Do you know that's exactly what people do today? I'm going to take drugs. I'm going to take drugs too. And in this day and age, listen, when we know smoking absolutely 100% kills, people still smoke. So Jesus looking at all these things and saying, they're not taking drugs, they weren't smoking, but they were lost. And he was saying, I have compassion for them. I don't look at them and go, you dummies. See, sometimes we do that. What's wrong with you neighbors? What's wrong with you people? You're sinners. Well, sinners sin. That's what you and I did before we came to Christ. But think about it for a moment. While we're laughing inside, or just not even caring, follow the end of their road. Leads to hell. Who's going to change that? Well, if I've been placed in their path, when God opens the door, I have to care enough to change it. I have to have compassion. You see, as you leave here this morning, I can't force you to share. That's impossible. My goal is to challenge you to care enough to share. Only God can do that. Has to be the same for me. See, if I share because I have to, forget it. Thomas Aquinas is quoted as saying, There is within every soul a thirst for happiness and meaning. The world is full of people trying to quench this drive. We just learned that as Christians, we need to do our part to help lost souls in their quest to fulfill this need. Looking around you, the task can seem overwhelming. Don't let that be a roadblock. Pray for God's direction. Don't limit Him and start with your own home first. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Now here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 4032, and the title of this message is Be Wise, Win Souls. Again, today's message number is 4032, and the title of this message is Be Wise, Win Souls. There's only one way to get your name in the book of life. You must choose to follow Christ. What are you doing with this knowledge? Are you satisfied with knowing you're safe? If you are, you don't fully understand the gospel. Not only should you be prepared to give an answer for what's different about you, you should be asking God for the opportunity to go to where those who are searching for that hope are. Now, before you pack your bags for uncharted territory, consider the mission field where you live, work, and play. We've run out of time for today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of Proverbs. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear Your 